I don't want to watch what's on the TV. iTunes that put on the BC. Podcasts on, no talking to me. Listening to Blackcast. Keep up on comics and movies. New phone ring, I answer hoodies. I can't talk, call back if you please. Listening to Blackcast. What's going on, let's come down. Give the dog the invisible bone. I still don't understand it, but we'll spend about an hour talking about that and all things Peacemaker. Welcome to the Blackcast, our Peacemaker special. Just want to get the bell in right away because I actually remembered it. Uh, as always, I am Christian Blatt, joined by Jeff DeRay. Hey. I really just have to point down the way the screen is formatted for <laughs> our uh, our visual listeners. Uh, but... Uh, the Grady the... Bunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, below there, in the center square, Jim J. Bullock, or also uh, William J. Sterling. Hello. And uh, making a triumphant return to the Black Cast, John Nolan, a.k.a. The Raging Rhino. I did almost call you the Rampaging Rhino. <laughs> That's a Marvel character, and we're not talking about that today. Right. Cheers. Uh, yeah, and uh, John, I think the last time you were on was for Suicide Squad, right? Because that is uh, correct. Yes, you're you're our our DC uh, our, our DC our DC heavy hitter. You know, yeah. not that Will isn't, but uh, you're oh, you're. Yeah. Well, I like no, to no. think of you as Harvey Keitel, the Wolf in uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> you're here to clean up anything that we don't quite understand, because uh, and again, I'm not trying to soft sell anything that Will might know, but I I don't know anything about any of these people, and I think it's a great place to start for you john talk mm -hmm. about peacemaker how well you knew the character uh before suicide squad or excuse me before the suicide squad and uh you know just sort of your thought for how he transferred from the page to the suicide squad and now his own series i uh, didn't know him too well uh like most you know dc fans the first sign that i the first time i saw him was crisis on infinite earths when the old Charlton heroes get merged into, you know, the DC universe. Um, most people are probably more familiar with the analog of Peacemaker. Uh, when Alan Moore wanted to write uh, Watchmen, he originally wanted to use the old Charlton heroes, but uh, Lynn Wein, his editor, talked him out of it, and instead he created analog. So Peacemaker in Watchmen becomes the comedian. Lynn Wein, the uh, creator of the all new, all different X-Men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, probably was underpaid if I had to guess. So that's why. Oh I yeah. Lin Lin Wien is, he is one of the, uh, one, one of those people that kind of gets lost in all the big comic book names, but yeah, he, he really is a giant. Well, he's, he wrote one story of the uncanny of the all new, all different X-Men. So mm -hmm. it's uh, very easy to forget him, but he is the creator. He's the creator of Wolverine while he was uh, working on uh, the incredible Hulk. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, uh, apparently it involved in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which we never really delved into on this show. But I read that for the first time a couple of years ago. Oh, and uh, it was uh, I can't believe how much story they packed into a, a single issue. Massive, you, know? Isn't it? Uh, you know, George Perez is uh, is not doing well now, but uh, in his prime, the number of panels on a single page of Crisis on Infinite Earths is uh, baffling. So 
he was one of the Charlton uh, characters. Like mm-hmm. uh, Blue Beetle was also one of those. Unless Blue I'm Beetle, yep. Yeah. Blue Beetle, Question, uh, Captain Adam, Nightshade, Thunderbolt, a few others, Judo Master. Yeah, our our friend uh, Jeff Winstead, who is uh, sometimes on the talk uh, DC stuff and just in general, he uh, he has a comic book called The Alternate, and uh, he figured out sort of a a, a workaround where he's uh, he featured a couple of uh, Charlton, I think it's Charlton characters in a story that he's working on, uh, because I, I don't know something about public domain, and I don't I don't get all that. So all right, so the actual Peacemaker character, the only image I ever saw is an issue of Robin. Robin standalone series where Peacemaker is standing next to him. And I've only seen that since the series, you know, I, I, I it's not somebody who I saw a lot at the comic book stores. Um, Will, is he, was he somebody that you knew much or anything about before the suicide squad? No, uh, not at all. I mean, the only, yeah, blue beetle and the question are the only two of those characters that I know <clears throat> a lot about. I love the question. He's one of my favorite characters, but yeah, yeah I'd never, I'd never heard of Peacemaker until the movie. Yeah. But, What's the answer? We'll be right back after this. And uh, Jeff, uh, I'm going to assume, you know, maybe you didn't know him that well, but when a movie like The Suicide Squad comes out, did uh, you want to do any like uh, any, any research and like look up some of those characters? Because I know you've done that for other projects, but uh, that wasn't one where you were uh, inspired to do that. No, and because it seemed like the intention of the movie was for them to be obscure characters you'd never heard of. That's why yeah. he tried to choose little known characters so that we're not going in being like, okay, waiting for this thing that I know this beat that I'm familiar with in every other (laughs) thing they're featured in. So I didn't waste my time looking up them up because the point was not to know them so we could get introduced to them. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know Bloodsport, the Idris Elba character. So, Mm -hmm. well, maybe I read somewhere at some point, but he's like, he's a copper. You had to remember that about him. I guess that said, I did know King Shark. Like there were some characters in that Suicide Squad that were obvious. Like um, Harley Quinn has been pretty big for a little bit. Yeah, I'm not not familiar. I'm not familiar with her. Never heard of her. She's like this obnoxious girl that was in these uh, Batman comic. Obnoxious girl. You're going to have to be more specific. (laughs) Broad. Uh, We're toxic. Toxic is fun. Um, Well, Rick Flagg is, uh, I feel like, was one of the better known characters or am I wrong about that? I mean, I didn't know of him really that well until the first Suicide Squad movie. Okay. Like well, these are all characters that in my 30 some odd years of reading DC comics, maybe they popped up like in random scenes and shit, sure. but like I'd never seen a lot of focus put on put on them. Right. So even for you, John, the the Peacemaker, seeing him on screen, it, it was kind of a blank canvas for you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, he, I did see him in you know, issues here and there and he's, he's one of those characters that... Oh, a lot of creators really just don't know what to do with him. So he he just kind of became, he, he evolved into this, you know, kind of what we see James Gunn do, kind of that, you know, offbeat, really weird and wacky extremist. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, when watching the Suicide Squad with Will, I don't think that this was the character that I was like, you know who I really need more of is, is, is the Peacemaker. And until the post credit scene or maybe mid credit scene, I assumed that that was one of the characters we were least likely to get more of because, you know, both he and Rick flag appeared to have died. Um, but, uh, you know, I have said a lot about this show about peacemaker. It is definitely the show that, uh, none of us realized we needed, but, uh, <laughs> I, I like to think we deserved it. And, uh, you know, 
for those of us, as we talked last week, who suffered through Book of Boba Fett, I think we also deserved to have Peacemaker in our week to uh, just bring all the joy and the fun that uh, that uh, uh, John Favreau was sucking out of us on a weekly basis over on Disney Plus. <laughs> that's a it's a little editorializing there, but that's all right. Um, just sort of a big picture because uh, you know we've talked in passing about about Peacemaker here on the show, but uh, John, just sort of. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about my favorite part of this. Cause you had written this on Twitter. You tried to get your wife to watch the show with you, right? Yeah. yeah you, you would figure, you know, naked John Cena or, you know, you know, penis through the, uh, whitey, tidy whiteys would, uh, be enough incentive for her to watch it. No, no, not at all. Um, I think the mistake I made was showing her the opening credits first. Cause I thought that they were hilarious as she just sat there, just, you know, jaw dropped, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and so you never won her over, right? No. Yeah. Our, our friend, uh, Dominica Saxon, who, uh, I'm realizing now I didn't tweet out the link and that's probably the only reason he's not uh, in the chat right now, but, uh, he did get his wife to watch. So, uh, if he pops in at any point, I'll ask him to, uh, <laughs> explain what it was, you know, does he, did he have like uh, one of those uh, Silence of the Lambs wells in his uh, basement where it was like you're either watching Peacemaker or you're getting the hose? Um, but we'll find out if uh, he jumps in. So what did you think when, uh, you know, this sort of, you know, I mean, he had plenty of screen time in the Suicide Squad, but still a character that we didn't know much about. Even you didn't know much about. So yeah. as the as the show goes along, what were your thoughts, you know, even starting from the first episode and, and as we got more? Yeah, the the, the first episode um, it really grabs you, um, you know, from the from the very beginning through the opening credits. You know, the ending was just like a kind of like nice big shocking moment. It's like that you know kind of to draw you in. Yeah, and and as it goes on, you, you really see more facets to the character that was missing from the Suicide Squad, and really that's kind of the reason why you didn't like him very much because he really was an asshole. And it's like, I don't want anything else to do with him. But you see the the different facets and the kind of the crap that he had to go through. And you realize, you know, he, at the end, he, he really you know, wants to be a better person. Yeah. Will, what do you think about the idea that maybe uh, the, the the stance that Harcourt takes on him in the early episodes and, and as that evolves, it's sort of like how all of us in the audience are feeling about him when the show starts, yeah. you know, and I think it's hard to not warm up to him when you start to understand, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, because you can feel for a character who is to some degree a homicidal maniac. I have uh, spent most of my life uh, really feeling an understanding for Frank Castle, the Punisher. You understand sure. how he got the way he did. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's a lot, a lot of the character. Did you go on a uh, Harcourt-like journey with uh, Chris Smith, the Peacemaker? Will? Yeah, I think so. Um I, it's still like in a zone where I, I kind of wanted a little bit more from the arc. And I, I understand that they're probably reserving things now that they know they get a season two, but um, I, I do, I did, you know, like I, like I said, when we saw the movie, I was very mad and upset that he killed uh, Rick flag. And so at first I was like, I don't really want to see a show with this guy. Cause I really liked Rick flag and he killed him and that's bullshit. Um, but uh, it did. I mean, I, I, I realized like I really ended up enjoying the show and, as you've said, which is kind of funny. It's like, we never thought we'd live in a world where the roles were reversed. And like, we thought we'd all love Mandalorian peacemaker would be some horseshit. And it's actually the opposite. Um, and so I think that's been, um, 
a, a pleasant surprise to like to meet a character I know nothing about and 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 do kind of go on a little journey of I don't know falling in love with him uh, you know and, and I think he's he's all in for it what about you Jeff sort of uh you know approaching it as a as a series and as it went along I think I mean it makes sense so I watched a video about Dave Filoni intentionally making the Ahsoka character shitty in the very beginning <laughs> of Clone Wars so that she could grow so that you have character Ooh, development that's a, right that's a great note because I remember watching Clone Wars when it premiered and uh, it, I had a lot of trouble getting into it because I'm like, uh, I'm supposed to just accept this really annoying character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's like there, I watched a video about basically about the four episodes where she uh, sucks, sucks, and then finally gets her come up. And so you start to like her and then grows into the character we all know and love now. Mm. Um, and so it seems almost like this followed a similar blueprint where it's like he was intentionally the heel, but not all the way the bad guy in the movie so that we could have this show where we see oh why are you such a dick oh okay well there's bigger dicks in your life and you're just you know doing the best you can or something like that so it, it, i thought it was good it made sense to me it it seems like it's a good blueprint have somebody suck in something else where they don't have to be your main guy and then <laughs> you can have them spin off into something where they actually develop into a more well-rounded character yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, because uh, it's, you know, given a choice at this point, I would much rather uh, see what Peacemaker's up to than uh, Harley Quinn. I feel like they've mm -hmm. uh, they squeezed that sponge a little too tightly for me right now. And uh, I, I don't need her at, at the moment, you know, uh, and I, I'm, I'm very I'm way more excited for seeing him in season two of the show than whatever she might be in next and i'm just using her as the most high profile and it's not even that i wouldn't be interested in I, who's seen the animated series uh, for harley quinn it's, it's on my like i want to see it yeah. so you've seen it uh john uh, jeff have you seen that i tried to watch it and it just wasn't doing it for me it was just too many like i don't know it just i didn't think it was that funny i don't think it's bad it just wasn't my jam mm -hmm. what do you think of it uh john I think uh, if you watch it, you need to really embrace the absurd um, and and stupid. So, <laughs> but it, it is fun. Well, that's what we're all about on this show: the absurd and the stupid, but not fun. I was going to say, nope, I'm nope, pretty nope, sure nope. Margot Robbie's doing the Barbie movie because I just saw Simu Liu cast in that. I, I mean, if if they use that uh, Barbie World song, "Come on, Barbie, let's go party," I, I'll Talk see you. Just if for they that. don't yeah. use it, I'll sue as false yeah. advertising. <laughs> Like those people who sued yesterday for what was it, Anna de Armas not being in it, even though she was in a trailer. Oh, I didn't even realize that. there's like two fans who sued the movie yesterday for like millions of dollars claiming false advertising because they rented it for six dollars each on a streaming service because they're big fans of Anna de Armas and, and she, she was then in the wasn't trailer? in it. Yeah, and she's apparently in like one of the probably an early trailer because I don't even oh, remember her being that's... in a trailer. Well, you know, if if we were able to sue for all the movies that disappointed us, um, well, I'd like just... to sue for the Hulk not being in Infinity War. That was some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just say if people could sue for movies they weren't happy with, Zack Snyder would be broke. But anyway, that's just for me. I'd like and to I'm just sue trying to start the pot. More Spider Man in Spider Man. That was yeah, bullshit. They said Spider there was one Spider Man versus all the bad guys, and they just <laughs> threw in a bunch of dickhead Spider Man. Not what I wanted. Yeah.
so there's there's so many facets to this show, which again, everything about it is not the way that I expected to think of it or the way that I expected to be talking about it on a show. But there is so much character depth in characters that seem so preposterous. And I want to uh, go to, I think for me, well, no, it's probably my third favorite character on the show because my second favorite character would be Eagly. But uh, let's talk about Vigilante. Now, I think he is a character that is a little bit more well-known in the comics. But, John, I feel like this isn't, this isn't really an accurate representation of, uh, of what Vigilante is like because he wouldn't be like, you know, Peacemaker's wannabe BFF, right? If, if you are basing the character off of the comics, he is absolutely nothing like him at all. <laughs> gotcha. The costume <laughs> and the name are the same, and that is it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Vigilante is actually a very tragic character. Uh, he was actually created by Marv Wolfman and, and George Perez in Teen Titans. Um, he, nice. is a, um, he was a, um, uh, a lawyer, uh, a district attorney. Uh, classic comic book trope. See if this sounds familiar. Uh, um, a mob boss kills his family. Wait so a minute. He off, becomes a <laughs> weapons expert, learns how to fight. Okay. Revenge. Yeah. Uh, and at first, non-lethal. As okay. he goes through his, uh, his story, he slowly loses his moral compass and eventually begins to take out anybody who gets in his way, including the innocents. Um, doesn't help that Peacemaker along the way kills one of his best friends because uh, they don't actually like each other at all in the comics. And wow. he, I don't know if this has happened anywhere else in any other comic book, but his solo series, Vigilante solo series, ends with him committing suicide. Oh, God. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the prequel to Casper, I think it's little known that that's actually how the show, how the story started. But you're right. Mm. I, I doubt that. It so Vigilante commits suicide was and I just I am going to go on a hunch here. Was Marv Wolfman still writing at that point? Heard somebody else taken over? No, it was um, uh, Paul Kupperberg. OK, yeah. And he's uh, he uh, he made the rounds uh, after the finale because they did have a really nice uh you know, one of those screens where they, you yeah. know, basically where they say oh, thanks yeah. to everyone whose stories influenced us, but didn't get paid any extra or maybe got paid a little extra. Because mm -hmm. I know Marvel's really bad about paying anybody and uh, DC does a little bit better. You know, you don't, you know, it's not like it's you get paid as like, a, you know, a co-writer or anything. Mm -hmm. um, that's fascinating that yeah. uh, that he did that. Is, is that a character? that uh, that you personally john liked and do you feel like that 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 shiny happy arc where he kills himself is worth reading i i actually got into reading vigilante and the last story arc of that original series and so that is one of those comics that really just stuck with me were how old were you when you read it did you read it when you were younger gosh i would have 12 or 13 i would mm -hmm. guess yeah, because I mean, uh, some of the stuff that I read in in at that point, you know, like in that like sh very short period of time where characters died and they actually died, and you know, mm -hmm. thing, things that were tragic. Uh, if I read them when I was younger, they definitely stuck with me. That well, that's uh, well. Let's talk about uh, the the fun on screen version uh, that we get of uh, of Vigilante. 
Uh, let's uh, let's start with you, Jeff. Just uh, your your thoughts on Vigilante as as we see him, you know, working in the restaurant, and he's excited that Peacemaker's out, and sort of the the evolution through the eight episodes of Vigilante. He's he's hilarious. He's the classic wild card character, right? Where yep. he's the funniest because he can say and do anything. He's your like Roger from American Dad, or your Charlie in uh, <laughs> It's Always Sunny, where they're just gonna say or do something to drive the there to give you your comedic beat i thought he was funny i thought he served his purpose well um i think his backstory is interesting but i also think it makes sense that they didn't dive into it too much because it's like we don't really need to know why he's such a psychopath it's just funny that he's like a psychopath but genuinely or generally seems good natured otherwise yeah and there's uh you know the uh, james gunn has been uh very involved in uh, commenting on each episode and he and the cast would actually do watch alongs uh, i believe it was on saturdays and mm. there's a lot of tweets where if you hadn't seen the episode yet you kind of had to just really ignore twitter because of all the retweets and the likes and things uh but uh he talked a lot about vigilante to him and how it was very important that he is actually, you know, for all of the the interpersonal and and weird, you know, shortcomings, that he really is a master at killing people, and that was in the commentary uh, that he provided after the uh, the scene in the jail, where it's just like, yeah, he had no worries about killing everyone and getting out of the jail, and uh, I think it's important for a character like that, you know. That if he was also not good at killing, then uh, <laughs> you just sort of like, well, how is he able to uh, get away with all that? And uh, you know, Will, in the in the context of a serious dramatic story, I think a character like this sort of version of Vigilante would be very hard to to like. I think it might, if this was a dr fully dramatic, non-comical take, I think also Peacemaker would be very hard to like. But uh, what did you think about? watching vigilante as as chris's bff i liked him he um <clears throat> he's his voice especially when the mask is on and even like the actor a little bit he reminds me a lot of my friend zach luna who's been in the chat here every once in a while um <clears throat> and so i just kept hearing zach in my head as vigilante and i was like this makes me so happy um so there's like a weird i had just a weird connection to like feeling like oh it would have been fun for me you know would love to uh would love to do uh you know see him in the cosplay but anyway as a character <clears throat> it's funny you know i think it fits i think it fits obviously like you said the narrative the story because peacemaker and a lot of these characters i think that's the point of the suicide squad is like james gunn is also saying like comic books used to be inherently so dumb and silly you know like there was a level to which they were just like churning out characters like with with zero regard to like how this was actually gonna go 20 years later like polka dot man kite man and so he's what <laughs> kite man kite man and yeah the the nathan fillion character with his floating arms TDK. um yeah. so i think it fits the show to change him and make him uh more silly but i wouldn't be surprised if season two like adds some some depth to him now yeah but, i think that's fair go ahead jeff question is the song detachable penis about tdk <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, our pal in the chat, Sam Whitfield, uh, vigilante looks like young Will when I first met him. So, uh, 
And uh, yeah, what what aren't you telling us, Will Sterling? But uh, and, and uh, Raging Rhino, uh, you know, John, you're on the show. You don't need to comment. Nice American Dad reference by Jeff. Uh, by the way, this week's episode of American Dad that uh, is set on a ski slope. Uh, my pal Tim Sicardo, who's a writer there, wrote that episode. He's uh, been oh. on the podcast a few times. He's uh, he's written like six episodes now because he's been there for for years, and it's a it's a great gig, and uh, I know he loves it there. So uh, check that out. Uh, yeah, I think um, the the dynamic with Vigilante is is pretty great, especially you know just just how needy he is, and and it's it's like when uh, Economos, uh, you know, Diebeard uh, <laughs> uses the chainsaw, and he's like, yeah, but wouldn't it have been so cool if he just thrown the chainsaw to me? Because and and Peacemaker's like, what? No, but I was talking about how I was going to use, you know, just that, like, and that scene says so much about him. And it's also hysterical that uh, I guess when they wrapped that actor went back to his normal voice, which is British. And John Cena literally had no idea (laughs) that he was British the whole time because he just he just stayed in it. The you know, the whatever the months where they were doing the show and, you know, thinking about like, you know, there's not a lot that I've seen John Cena in. Um, there's a great video where he speaks a little Chinese if anybody wants to find it. But other than that, uh, it's uh, I honestly never expected that I would be like, you know, I'm going to really enjoy that John Cena project at, at, at any point in, in my life. I'm not, you know, not a big wrestling guy, never have been. And uh, but I just think he's perfect. And from a performance standpoint, uh, we have a resident thespian here, of course, Mr. William J. Sterling. Uh, Featured on shows such as Blackish and Pam and Tommy, and that's just in the last like two months. You Where know? you really see me uh, act, you know? Yeah, I well, really give nuanced, very nuanced, especially look, as the sheriff of Nottingham guy. Yeah, and yeah. and you were correct that you should have been named the sheriff of Nottingham. But I uh, thought it would be Nuttingham. That also would have <laughs> been great. That, that also, also would have been, been great. Yeah. But, uh, you know, talk about, look, obviously, if you, you know, I, I, I hate to upset people who are wrestling fans, but if you're part of a big operation like WWE, you're going to have a skill set that gives you a decent background in, in acting, you know, certain kind of parts, you sure. know, there, there's a, and so I, I, but I still was impressed by what he was able to bring. And apparently there's scenes where he legitimately made himself cry, which, you know, I mean, it's, I, I, I can't, I can't do it. I'm sure, Will, you could do a good camera cry for us right now. But um, what did you think of, you know, him from a performance, even after the Suicide Squad, what we were able to get from this guy who is essentially a wrestler who's, you know, started doing some acting. Right. Just like, just like my pal DJ uh, Dwayne Johnson, as you guys call him The Rock. But uh, what did you think, just sort of that aspect of what John Cena brought to the show? Uh, I think he's good. I think, I mean, I'm kind of in a phase now where I'm sort of burned out on The Rock because I feel like it is kind of a one-note thing from him and everything that he does. And I genuinely think that John Cena actually has real range. And, like, it, I was surprised. I mean, when he first started acting in movies, it was, like, The Marine, you know, and obviously, like, easy, whatever bullshit. And The Marine 2. Let's not forget. (laughs) The Marine 2, Electric uh, Book of Shadows. Book of Shadows. And, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I really actually think he gave, um, he gave a good performance, and it it lends itself to the character. He's also very funny, you know, um, so it does sort of organically subvert the expectation of him being this, like, 
macho movie star action hero guy to actually be this like tender-hearted sweet dude and for that to be conveyed like authentically was uh was great i thought he did a very good job yeah i uh i you know i just the the tragic backstory that they give him and how he processes it by mostly not processing it i think mm-hmm. uh you know uh, he you know look uh, anybody from the wwe might not have been able to pull that off you know although if undertaker wanted to try uh, i would uh, you know as long as he was still dressed like the like the undertaker um yeah and i mean just you know the 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 story of his brother and robert patrick is phenomenal in most things not just terminator 2 you know yeah um the uh the sort of the sort of uh m- maligned what was the final season of the x-files before they did a, a reboot i thought he, you know he was good in that i've seen him in a lot of things and just for a, a a completely and utterly unlikable character there are no redeeming qualities to him you know uh i thought that robert patrick was great now uh that suit that he wears that tells me that that has to be a little bit more of an established character uh john so uh what do we t- t- is, is is that a fair representation of robert patrick's character peacemaker that, Dad? yeah well i mean the the the, uh, the costume definitely is very comic book accurate right um, and yeah he he is just like he is in the comics or in the in, in the show he's uh you know that 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 typical you know right-wing douchebag, you know, racist, you know, far right-wing. So, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I think it's a I, I don't want to I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I think it's yeah. it's important that look, there's a there's a word that you would expect that character to use that he doesn't, but then he does use the the slur word for homosexual that I feel like if he didn't say that, it would feel disingenuous. I don't know. I don't think you need it. And I think that we live in a time where it's just like, yes, this guy would definitely use the N word, but we're not going to put that on our show. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about sort of those kind of decisions that go into it? Will this is a guy that has no redeeming qualities accurately. He would use that word. He would use a word that he didn't use. Uh, Is it, is it just easier to be like, yeah, but you, you know what he would say. Let's just not have him do it. I I, I had that thought because when he said it, it's like, you know, nobody really says that much anymore. Right. I think so. And it's also, it keeps in the good naturedness of the show. I think still at its core, despite being like really violent, it is like a, a a sweet show. You know what I mean? And I think that that's not the narrative. If it was a drama, probably, you know, like that would be that because we're trying to say like, this is a realistic depiction of this thing. This is like a lampooning of these things. And we know that that's exactly who he is. And I think you can fill in the blanks. And I don't think it's anybody who like criticizes shows like this that are not serious. That's like, he would talk like this. I'm like, okay, well, John Cena dressed like a fucking douchebag. So John Cena has a, has a a bedpan on his head. Right. I don't think it fucking matters if we're, period or racist accurate that he he used like slurs you know it's just so you're saying the better show where the guy's best friend is an eagle is uh not the the most dramatic series on television today i mean i wouldn't say that but (laughs) yeah yeah 
yeah, there there should be more shows with uh, Eagles on there. I always thought that that was what was missing from The Wire is that no one on that show had an Eagle as a best friend. I you know, that's why I couldn't get into it. I got like three episodes <laughs> into season one and I was like, where's the fucking Eagle? Where's the Eagle? <laughs> did he say any racist slang to the, the Asian lead detective who he Goff did. ended up taking over? So, so it's like he he because he, he, what I was thinking about is he didn't really necessarily have as much occasion to use that word yeah he wasn't necessarily interacting with the black characters he was right. going after his white son right whereas but, when he had the opportunity to be racist to somebody's face he was pretty happy but to, to be, be fair racist. i don't i don't think he actually used you know there's there's a handful of you know nationality specific asian slurs yeah uh and you know margaret Tre- margaret Cho, like 30 years ago had a, a joke about, you know, somebody calling her one and she's like, you idiot. I'm a other one, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's I like, he did call her a couple of things. Well, that's what I, was, I but I thought oh, it was yeah. a lot of like, yeah. Okay. But it most, for the most part, what it was, was like sort of creative, you know, just referencing, but yeah, I, but I, go ahead. didn't he call her dragon lady at one point? That's I one where that it's like, com- wait, so that wasn't a compliment. No, oh my I, don't God. I have to so. really be more careful when I talk to my mother. I'm just that's one of those ones where it's like obviously I can say it where it's just like it's not nice, but it's not right. super mean. The, yeah, the, it, the implication is there. I definitely yeah. feel like, and also I mean, it's it's kind of a concerning thing I think because we've seen it post COVID is that there is definitely um, I think culturally people feel like oh it's not as bad slurs about Asian people, so like we could wiggle those in there, and it's like. The, there's a lot of unfair uh the way yeah, that we no, view look, and, Asian and people as being like nice in general and smart well, you know what there's I mean? a lot of so yeah, there's a lot of that we and, use these words you know my uh our our friend uh roxy stryer has been on here a few times she just talks about a lot she's very vocal about just the casual like yeah but i'm just saying that about jewish people you right. know and and right. the, people are very dismissive it's like you know, slurs against black people. We can agree those are wrong. But right. what about some of the other slurs? Yeah, we could say some things about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So see, I assume that all Japanese people are in the yakuza, and all Chinese people are in the triad. So I, I'm, just... I'm I'm waiting to hear the part that's wrong. You wrapped up the morning of playing GTA Three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's uh, because because her character came up. She wasn't who I was going to talk about next, but let's talk about. Uh, and Annie Chang is the name of the actress who plays uh, Sophie Song. And James Gunn had a great observation about why she was cast, because he had seen they'd seen a lot of actresses who were good as Detective Song or good as the uh, the butterfly. What was the butterfly's name? Goff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So but she was the only one who was able to be good as both characters. And I thought that that, it, you know, there, there's obviously such a difference between those two points, you know, and I thought uh, she did a great job. And like, it's very much in the the tone of the show that like her partner would always try to tag on with jokes that didn't work. And, you know, that's like a that, that's that's always the sort of stuff that I've enjoyed in movies and stuff. It's like. No, man, come on. I I had a good one. You didn't need to get in on this. Uh, and yeah, I think uh that guy was great too. You know, I just thought that uh all in all there there was some uh some great casting and I, I believe they made this in Vancouver and a lot of times it's just like, well, who can you get in Vancouver? There's plenty of actors there, but at the same time, you're a little bit more limited, I think, just because there aren't as many, but uh I think that he found some great uh, cast members. Who are some of the other uh, side characters that stand out to any of you? I'll let any of you jump in because I don't want I to. I just had one spot. question about yeah, Goff, ahead, though. Jeff. That was one thing that I didn't always 
like is this idea we were calling the butterfly goth we yeah. sh- it should have gotten its own nickname because that was the reference to the person it was inhabiting the at the very beginning so oh, i understand okay. why it's a through line but at the same time it's like we're calling the butter with the character goth when it takes over susan's song mm. still yeah. so that's where i was like i wish we had given it its own name that and wasn't it that it had its own name and yeah tried to pronounce it and it could have you know just riff off of something from that yeah, exactly. I wish we right. had kind of identified it more than just golf, but mm-hmm. I also understand where you needed to simplify it so people understood, oh, that's the same yeah. thing. That yeah, because that was stuff. the only butterfly that we really got to know in, mm-hmm. in any capacity. And of course, Peacemaker keeps it in a jar, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and feeds it, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, who are some of the uh, some of the uh, side characters that uh, stood out for uh, any of you? Anybody jump in who wants to talk about uh, someone they liked? You know, I mean, I thought that uh, a lot of the police casting, I thought uh, they they did some nice work with that dude, but... her partner, whoever he was. I like I haven't seen him in a long time, and I was like, oh, I recognize this guy. Sort of like general douchey guy from movies in the late '90s and early 2000s. <laughs> He's been in some stuff where he like. I feel like he plays kind of like a broy guy, and I was like, "Yeah, I, maybe." I'm yeah, that guy's name but... is Lachlan Monroe, and yeah. pe- uh, there's a lot of people who like tweeted things like, "Oh, hey, I saw him in this one movie or whatever," and he's like, "Yes, it, this was like one comment." He's like, "Yes, those are the only two things on my IMDb page." You I know, know like some, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's just like he, but I think he gets it because he, he wasn't like being a dick about it, you right? Know what I mean, well, that's the yeah. thing is like when you're just a working actor. I mean, good, he's probably paying his bills, but like, yeah, you yeah. Know, he, he still retains a decent level of anonymity. And uh, unfortunately, what comes with that is people being like, oh, he was that guy from White Chicks or whatever it is. And he was in some comedy. I got to look this up. And, I, you know, if, and, and Will, if if you could be, you know, somebody sees you on Blackish or in Pam and Tommy and they're like, oh, that's that guy from White Chicks. I mean, you'd be like, oh, my God, my career is so much better than I ever thought it would be because I'm known <laughs> for being in White Chicks. When they make White Chicks to Book of Shadows, I'm <laughs> in. That guy definitely plays some kind of like frat guy or something like that's that what i mean is like there's a, and i feel bad like pigeonholing him in that thing but i just picture his face in some scene i'm gonna find this i'm gonna find this i'm just gonna picture your face i yeah. thought that, that the the police captain guy who ends up t- uh, being originally Mern's friend and yeah and get turning it he was a bit confusing because uh, i thought he was a butterfly at first when Mern right. first is chit-chatting with him so and did i was I. like oh, so okay, when he became so- a butterfly i'm like wait he wasn't already it was very confusing. That was one point where I was like, oh, okay. That was not clear. That was not clear at all. Um, yeah. I, I get the I because I feel like by the time we met him, we already knew Mern was a butterfly. So that's why it's like, it really didn't make sense for us not to expect that character to be a butterfly as well. Yeah. 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 That, I think he uh, was like a Waller's operative or something, but yeah, it, he would have been better as a, as a butterfly because, you know, and you know, it would have seemed that, Mern would have had some allies out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was White Chicks, by the way. He was and in White Chicks. movie. Yeah. And he was also uh, yes. in Riverdale. Uh, Unforgiven. That must have been a small role for him. But, <laughs> well, uh, 92. He was pretty young. Yeah, he was pretty young. But uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, those, those, those stay. I mean, I love that he's the guy from White Chicks. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> sure. If you're uh, listening, yeah, but, Lachlan Monroe, I'm sorry, but you're the guy. For no, that. but I mean, he's, you know, look, when you work consistently, I mean, like you said, it's all about that's like he can pay his bills from being an actor. And right. uh, that's uh, that's what it's all about. Um, I thought that uh, they, you know, somehow it, it like it doesn't always work when you have this group of people who are forced to work together together. 
and nobody really likes each other. I mean, obviously, uh, Harcourt and uh, Economos had worked together before, so they you know, they knew each other, but you didn't really get the feeling that they, they were like tight, you know. But and I think it worked really well that it evolved into how much you know the the sort of the bonding, you know and in the how much they care about each other and you know peacemaker legitimately feeling betrayed you know because uh, you know and uh, who who he thinks is his friend and all that and i think that that dynamic doesn't always work when you 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 like these people hate each other and now they're friends and i think in a movie that's much harder to do because you don't have as much time i think that they did have enough time and i guess when you go on a stakeout where the goal is to assassinate a family, uh, including the children, yeah. <laughs> which all the stuff about the, the ugly looking kid, it was just like, Oh man, there's a, there's a kid that got cast in that role. Uh, yeah. Every time there's like character disparagement, even for Economos, like the end credit scene where it's entirely, he's like, why is every joke you make about my physical appearance? Like, <laughs> yeah, that was great. There is a degree to which in humor, like, you know there is some shaming going on for that kind of person or an ugly kid and like i always wonder now especially in 2022 as an actor like it probably still stings a little bit to be like you're the fat guy we're gonna make jokes about you, all this you time. mean you mean when you get your girlfriend wolf yeah <laughs> <laughs> you had a picture of that poor girl her whole life she you, like never did anything else but be the like the ugly girlfriend in home alone oh, you mean oh, when girl. you get sides the script pages for your audition and uh okay so you're reading for ugly kid you're yeah. reading for fat guy ugly kid fat guy <laughs> die beard yeah yeah mm -hmm. exactly I, mean, I, I guess the revenge is that now buzz plays fat guy across the street in movies like kimmy <laughs> and home sweet home alone <laughs> where he reprises his role as of course uh, I almost said Biff McAllister because he's Biff McAllister. <laughs> Biff McAllister. Uh, Dominica Saxon points out Vigilante was really the glue that helped the group group together. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that legitimately you says the guy with the comedian yeah. freaking <laughs> avatar. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but I think that uh, I mean, clearly, you know, she ends up being in charge. Like, clearly, Harcourt is the one that uh, that does keep them together. Uh, and of course, uh, she is, uh, now that actress, uh, Jennifer Holland, I believe is her name is now engaged to be Mrs. James Gunn. So, yeah. uh, worked out well for her. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Success Connection of the show. to be in Slither too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, which I believe is called Slitherer. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I know that the success of the show depending, like, I think he proposed once he realized it was a hit, you know, he was like, yeah. okay. I now, think this is going to work. I, 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 it's, we did it. We can, uh, we yeah. Can if he, again. if he had done book of Boba Fett and she had been on that, then he would have been like, I mean, yeah. clearly I've made it. I'm making a lot of bad decisions in my yeah. life. I, uh, I, I think I agree that like a, a story wise, uh, Harcourt is the thing that holds them together, but B story wise and thematically and emotionally out is the thing that holds them together. Yeah, I think Autobio is essentially us. I think, uh, yeah. you know, and I've talked a lot about this, that if you think about your really good pilot episodes of TV shows, usually it's somebody's first day on the job. Yeah. ER yeah. is that way. Scrubs is that way. And not everything set in the hospital. Uh, uh, homicide, uh, Life on Street is that way. It's uh, Bayless is starting, you know, in the homicide unit. So it's like 
everybody knows everything and now you're the new person. Well, we're the new person. Right. So I think that works. Yeah. And I think autobio being conflicted is, is important. Uh, you know, her mom being Amanda Waller, it makes it interesting, but then also there's that moment. It's in the last episode, I think where she's like, she, she's like, I'm made for this shit. Like she's actually like really good at like, yeah, no, I can kill a bunch of people. I just didn't want to, <laughs> you know, she um, had training. what's that? She had the training for it. Oh yeah. Used it. Yeah. No, if Amanda Waller, Waller's your mom, you know, you probably knew kids like in your neighborhood that for their sweet 16, they were getting new cars and uh, you know, she was having them go to, you know, some like elite martial arts camp for the summer, <laughs> you know, like no, you got to yeah. learn all of it. Yeah. And uh you know, I think that uh, her backstory is uh, interesting in terms of her mom. And I think uh, it, uh, it, it it's nice when a show has sort of like, you know, she has a same sex partner, but it's not a big deal. It's not it's not what she's about. It's just That's like it's the aside. And I think like, you know, I think that a lot of what inclusion is, is when it's not like this is a really big deal. Look at you the know? gay characters. I, yeah, yeah, like I have a wife right what you're I, a girl and I, even yeah. even like peacemaker is like you know he just has a couple of like bro questions about you know logistics and stuff <laughs> but you know it's not like weird to him at all you know yeah um well and then of they, course, he's bisexual which is i think cool i mean that they could uh, they could go into more detail i think later but that's season but, two yeah <laughs> but i agree i mean i've been saying that about especially about like nerd content Studios, it's always, it feels really performative when they do it. Like, I remember when Beauty and the Beast was coming out, and they're like, it features the first gay characters in a Disney movie. And it's like two dudes dancing at the very end for like five seconds. And you're like, you guys just love to fucking jerk yep. yourselves off thinking you're doing everybody a big fucking favor. <clears throat> but making them the lead characters and having that be there, like any kind of queer yeah. identity or any kind of um otherwise unrepresented person being a character and yeah not having it be a big deal it's just what they are and normalizing yeah. that in content as opposed plus to being do like, they do they not remember zazu and the lion king voice i mean by rowan atkinson <laughs> you know I there's mean, so they, yeah there's, a there's lot there, you know believe me it's not the first gay character in a disney movie that's what i'm saying you know just <laughs> flick your bean yeah <laughs> that's that's an that's a nice one sammy uh, yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's not let's not single out anyone, but let's just say one of the dwarves. Uh, you know, I'm fairly sure. But mm. yeah, I know, and and, and and a lot of times, you know, it's I don't, don't want to go down this, but <laughs> it is one of the things about like the current incarnation of Doctor Who is that every side character has like a date with a same sex partner planned is going to. You know, it's like it, yeah. it's like there's never there's never like the guy who wants to ask out a girl or it's always the same. And it's like, well, when you do it to everybody, if all of your background characters are like that, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it, 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 it doesn't do the right thing. You know, yeah. it's just everybody being accepted, you know? And it's like, it's like when you're, you're, you know, if, if the show friends, one of them, just one of them had been, I don't know, Asian or black or something, it wouldn't have been like such a big deal. Right. But because they were all white when there's like, and now Ross has a black girlfriend. What? yeah <laughs> you know yeah so like in season seven by the way you know right. it was it was not early um well i don't want to i, I don't want to uh, uh miss too much of this so let's uh talk a little bit about you know i really did like watching the the team go together you know grow together 
the the bonding over Hanoi rocks was not something I ever expected. The 11 street kids. And the photo is actually a photo that Jennifer Holland took with her phone and her finger is actually in the photo that oh, right. uh, James Gunn posted. It. Right. He's like, this is actually from her phone. So uh, I think, you know, little things like that are nice. And uh, the actors, the cast, like their text chain with each other is titled 11 street kids. So mm-hmm. that means they all have iPhones because if you have just just one holdout with an Android, you can't name your text chain. Yep. Yeah. My new brother-in-law is the, the one person for WhatsApp my, for, and you can name your group and WhatsApp. It's I, I don't want, I don't want another app. You can share I, higher quality. I've got like nine content. fast food apps on, on my phone. I, I don't want one more app. You know, I got to keep track of the deals from Wendy's. Um, but I, I really like that. And uh, I think, I, I was I was not expecting. By the way, Steve Agee, we we're talking about Diver, we we're talking about Economos. Uh, he was uh, he's great. I mean, he's great as a he was a with Jeff. I think you're the one to remind him. He's like a homeless guy on New Girl. He was also on the Sarah Silverman program, and uh, the, I I always thought he was funny just as a comedian, and really getting to shine. And just that moment when the aforementioned Lachlan Monroe is like, "Hey, what's with your human's beard?" And he's like, I can't lie. And like the vulnerability and the emotion, I'm like, I didn't think Steve Agee was going to get that moment on yeah. the show, but it makes you care about them so much more. And even Peacemaker's like, oh, maybe I was a little bit of a dick, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. But uh, John, what are what are like highlights for you, characters, uh, some of the things, you know, uh, it just what, what stands out for you, you know, uh, on the show? Um, I really liked Mern. I, I just yeah. loved his arc. I loved his um, his confession that you know this this person that I took over was a horrible, horrible person, but he was still redeemable. Yeah, and 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 just that that moment of honesty and that and that 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 heartbroken feeling of yeah, I I I, I had to kill him, but I I, I know that if he could have been a better person. Yeah, that that was that meant a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, another thing James Gunn wrote was how much he liked working with that actor, but he had already written that what happens to the character. Like he was mm-hmm. like, I wish I didn't uh, already plan to kill him. But <laughs> but he's like, but I'm work- but he's in Guardians of Galaxy three, which he's That's working awesome. on literally right now. So it's yeah. like so he found somebody he found a way to work- keep working with him. But uh, yeah, I thought the, the Murray character was very interesting. The moment when, you know, he it didn't really seem like he was a butterfly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think right when she first has on the x-ray helmet, but before she sees it, that's when you're like, Oh, that would make sense. But even when he's sitting at home, Oh no. Cause we knew before then we knew when, like when he's sitting at home, just watching, is he watching ransom? Is that the movie that he's watching? The the Mel Gibson movie. He is movie. watching Ransom. Yeah. Yeah. So that I means remember that thinking the same thing, being like, "Why is he fucking watching why, this? Why movie? is he not watching the part where he says, give me back my son?'" Yeah. And the uh, and just the emotionless way he's watching it, I'm like, "Well, that's how I would watch Ransom." You know, I, I don't, you know, um, and uh, you know, so that reveal that was a legitimate surprise, I think, uh, and I did really like that character. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I can see, you know, it's funny how like unceremonious a lot of the actual deaths are on the show. Like when Peacemaker kills his father, uh, he, he, it could have definitely been one of those. Oh, I can't do it. And he's like, no, I put a bullet in my dad's brain. And, I think, you know, honestly, yeah. it's fine. And that's you a know? unique James Gunn thing, I think. Like yeah. subverting all well, the things. Well, I mean, look at his name. He would two in. Uh, Dominica Saxon thinks all the main characters had really well done story arcs. Kudos to the writers. You know who the writers are on this show? 
James Gunn. He wrote every episode yeah. and he said that uh, he actually didn't have writer's rooms for this. Really? I think there's a couple that he didn't direct, but he directed a lot of them. Um, but uh, it's just not the way that he works. Uh, obviously, he usually does movies, but, you know, uh, and it's just and he's going to write season two. So that's why any yeah, of the theories yeah. that are out like Bane is going to be in season two. He's like, this is all bullshit. I haven't even told anybody what I have planned That's yet. Neat. And I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure what I have planned yet. You know what I mean? He's like, he's only got some of it worked out. Plus he gets but, more money. He doesn't have to split that. Well, now he does. He's getting married. Yep. Well, let's, let's see what happens to <laughs> hardcore on the show. Yeah. You know, <laughs> big, big, big prenup. Um, yeah. And uh, what about what about you, Jeff? What are favorite things or characters, even if it's something we've talked about, you know, what are some of the, the real standouts that you're like? Maybe it was even a scene where you're like, you know, I, I liked this show, but now I really like this show. Is there anything like that or any character? You know, it was just such a good show from start to finish, right? Like I thought all the things that normally take me out of a show like this, like production budget or like the costumes just looking stupid and wonky. Right. He he had answers for all of it. So I, it just was a really well done show. There's not a moment that I can specifically think of where I was like, now I'm in because I think I was I think that speaks to how good of a show it was. I was mm. I was sold right off the bat from the pilot. I was like, OK, I see where you're going. I like this. We're going to yeah. actually have like more. We're going to we're going to resolve things that we've started instead of just being like, and here's a new thing several months later when everybody's yeah. forgotten about those things from before. So, yeah, it was just a really good series. I thought John Cena did well. I wasn't surprised by that though like i feel like he's had little cameo roles that he's done well in for years right he had that one in train wrecked that's uh, mm -hmm. yeah as soon as you said that i was just like oh yeah he was really really funny in that yeah. <laughs> yeah so i wasn't surprised i i think he was perfect for this role i think james gunn is really good at writing these kinds of stories right like he knows how i i think it's a testament to his capability as a writer to and and maybe it's a smart decision that he makes to go get these more obscure characters so we don't have all these baked in expectations. And then he knows how to tell a really interesting and engaging superhero story vis-a-vis -vis Guardians and Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. We can connect to these characters because we don't already have this established like, oh, that's who this person means to me connection with a lot of these characters. And so he can tell these stories that are like fleshed out and interesting and and obviously speak to his love of the comic books and how they tell those stories and and what makes them more interesting, I think. Yeah. That's just yeah. my take on it, I guess. No, no, I think uh, and, and uh, I don't know, I think uh, and Will, I'll ask you the same question, but I think that uh, probably everybody will agree this was an eight episode series and they had eight episodes worth of story a lot of times. Uh, you'll watch a show that has eight episodes worth of story and it's at least 13 sometimes. More. Right. Yeah. And in the case of book of Boba Fett, they had two episodes worth of story and it wasn't even about the guy in the title of the show. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm very hard. I, I'm still, I'm still, we'll never recover. Honestly, it, no, it's, it's, that's true. It's really the I'll, last when they stabbed Jesus with the spear just to confirm he was dead. That's how it feels. <laughs> that's, that's what that was. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Will? Some of the, uh, just the, you know, a favorite moment was there yeah. a moment because you were talking about and you know there's somebody that's sometimes in the chat on on these shows uh, ivan soto and he didn't want to watch peacemaker for exactly the reason you said and he didn't watch it 
he's just like I didn't like the way he killed Rick Flag, and he mm-hmm. was just he just couldn't wrap his head around that character. Right. Um. So you were approaching it sort of with that, but you watched it anyway. And w- was it because, especially like Will and I, I mean, sorry, Jeff and I were like, are, are you watching this thing? And yeah, I think I started. Yet, right. Yeah. I always had. I mean, I wanted to. I think yeah. I didn't start until it was like three or four episodes in. I think the um, first three went up at first. Or okay, then I was a couple yeah. weeks behind. But still, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so go ahead. I think the thing that's like, but that's good writing, right? Is like taking a character that otherwise, like, and and giving him like an arc and making him redeemable in a way. I mean, he still kills people, but presumably now he's just going to kill bad guys. But. Uh, and and giving you a reason to like them you know it's like oh that's right that's when people care about characters and want to treat them with respect and give them like emotional growth and stuff and uh you know just writing him essentially as like a perpetual 15 year old boy um is super funny and i you asking the question like what's the scene that's or what's this moment that stuck out to you maybe like oh i'm really in and i was like oh there's a bunch of stuff but like the first thing that popped in my head that i remember being like i think i would do exactly the same thing is when he's trying to run from the cops and he takes tons of time to steal vinyls. Yep. Uh, I was like, it, by the way, it's yeah, funny you reference that, scene. that I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you finish your thought, but it's funny you mentioned. No, that I scene, just like right? it felt, and it also felt like something like I would write and love to act the humor of that. Like it was just a very like left turn decision on purpose to clearly show like who this person is, and I love scenes that demonstrate characters in their behavior that with like specific things that you're like. That's just one of those things where you're like, this is exactly who this guy is. Like, despite everything that's fucking happening right now, he will stop down for like five minutes to, to steal all this precious vinyl from precious, the dead precious girls. vinyl. Which, which, uh, Jeff, I know you've amassed a lot of vinyl lately, and I think yeah, you, you could understand, you know. Yeah, I showed I showed Will my collection. He was yeah. very impressed. We'll talk about that <laughs> in the future, <laughs> and we know what you mean by your collection. Oh, jeez. Uh, Cammy Egan in the chat. Good to see you, Cammy Egan. Uh, I want to know how Judo Master did not become a butterfly. Do you think the Flaming Hot Cheetos had anything to do with it? You know, that might be exactly what it has to do with it. Um, but maybe they just need somebody that like believes in the cause, but isn't part of like the hive mind. You know, maybe they wanted Peacemaker instead of you know why Goff was you know, didn't just I don't know inhabit him in some way. They just want they need people uh, that are that are actually people. Um, and yeah, that was an alternate ending. That that uh, peacemaker just a- allied with the with the butterflies. There there was an ending that peacemaker was on their side. Yeah. Wow. Uh, interesting theory. He was always eating them. I thought he was like the bodyguard, not just a nobody they could use. Yeah. I like that the 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 um, judo master story is not tidied up. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know we can go to that. So you're talking about the scene where uh he takes all the vinyl and it does come after the scene that uh that john mentioned earlier where he's in his underwear uh dancing and that scene is very important it is not because of the underwear i'm not gonna say i minded it uh by the way our friend liev loved this show and i immediately said it's it's because yeah no he 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 was raving about it on instagram that's how and so i but he was upset when the dragon died (laughs) <laughs> yeah well that was that was his favorite character yeah. no but but that's funny you say that the first thing that i wrote to him though was like well just because john Cena's underwear he's like duh yeah. but he was just though no, it, it's if you think about him like it's right in his sensibility you know just the the jokes and the humor and stuff but the moment that he so he gets so excited that it's 
he puts on a song by London Choir Boys and he dances to almost the whole song. Okay, so that's the beginning of where I was like, oh, this is actually something special. They they have like one sort of hit called Seven O'Clock, which shows up, I think, in the second episode. The song they pick is is obscure from an obscure band and they spend <laughs> a lot of screen time with it. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And that is part of it. And then you just, you get this tone for the style of music that he likes, which is what some people call uh, hair bands. Uh, some of some people that are from that industry uh, feel like that is uh, you know, it's a derisive term. Glam try to be more inclusionary. Yeah. Late, uh, late 80s, early 90s hard rock is a nicer way to refer to that. But glam metal, that's a little nicer. I like um, glam metal because the glam part of it always appealed to me. Yeah. That's, I was oh, always no, absolutely. Glam is very um, important to the. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so the, you know, and so having some of that music, which some of these songs were very popular. There's a song by Firehouse that was definitely a, at least a top 20 single. Uh, Baby, Don't Treat Me Bad. Um, it's laid in there. Um, but they use this song by the band Faster Pussycat that my friend Dan, that was literally his favorite band when we were in high school was Faster Pussycat. They have a song called House of Pain. And you guys all know that song because they play the entire song in this show. <laughs> and the lyrics, it's about the, the singer, uh, Tammy Down, had a bad childhood and he wrote about it. Well, the song is him remembering his terrible childhood. And I'm like, so not only does James Gunn play this song, that was a moderate hit you know, 30 years ago, but he uses it in a way where it's like, no, listen to the lyrics. This ties directly into it. Like he's in that deep. And he was not really a fan of this style of music before this project, but he just kept adding uh, to like his personal Spotify. He would find these songs and he found stuff that he thought really worked. And by the way, the official Peacemaker Spotify playlist, for those of you who have not canceled Spotify as a show of solidarity to Neil Young, and, uh, you know, as many of the black cast nation has done, yeah. uh, it's phenomenal. And by the way, I love, uh, what I love, by the way, uh, John is that I know it's, it's one o'clock there. I know it's your day off. So of course you're having a beer. We can't. I know. It's, I was looking at you like, dang it. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, it's a different rough uh, diamond. Oh. That sounds, that sounds great. It's a, uh, it's a little brewery, uh, just uh, North of San Antonio in Blanco, Texas. Love and, it. um, if you guys are ever in San Antonio, I'll take you there. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I got reason. Are on so, me. so the, the music, uh, all right, I, I'm going to clip that out and put it on my phone and remind you, <laughs> Be like, yeah, oh, right. you, did say, you did say you were going to pay. And then, and then Will's like, Will comes back from the bar. Yeah. I just put it on your tab. He's like double fisting, like two giant pitchers. He's like, yeah. what? Yeah. Um, but for me, just for me to drink. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah. thought that was implied. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. got a straw in each one. And yeah. Like, the helmet. I'll butt chug the scorpion ball. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, just the, the, the usage of, of the music because it fits in with this character. And John Cena sitting at the piano playing Home Sweet Home and they don't even use the song until the next episode. It doesn't like dissolve into the song. It's just him playing Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. And, I, and as that, that, that shows up on the Spotify playlist and it says John Cena, I'm like, I assume... He learned to play. He learned how to play that song on the piano. I'm just yeah. guessing. I don't know. It's. I want to believe that it's real. So just let me, okay? He but, can be a multi-talented man, wrestler, actor, pianist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Pianist. <laughs> that that wasn't. That was with the tidy whities. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's just like it's just exciting. Like some of the music, the fact like I, I referenced Hanoi Rocks being a major story point, 
And it makes sense that this is the music that he would like. It would mean a lot to him. It's from when he was a kid. And it's also, if you are an America, fuck yeah, kind of guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I mean that literally from the Team America song. That's why I said America, fuck yeah. Uh, you would, I think, love this music that he loves. And huge kudos for finding a very obscure uh, Norwegian uh, <laughs> hair metal band, but <laughs> I'm using the term. Uh, they are very obscure in this country. I think that they, they didn't even win the Eurovision competition like, I don't know, 13 years ago. So this band Wigwam has the song that we've heard many times. Do you want to taste it? And it's from like a while ago. And mm-hmm. they, uh, they've been, they, they've been uh, around for a little while and then they came back and their management dropped them three days before the show premiered. Whoa. And uh, James Gunn was very happy for them that uh, by week eight of Peacemaker, I guess it's really week six or five or whatever, uh, they had the, it, it's very specific, but the number one most streamed rock song. Oh, that's was awesome. Wigwam, <laughs> do you want to taste it? And a good um, fuck you to their manager who didn't yeah, believe it. Yeah, and uh, so you, you couldn't be happy that $100 for those check in his yeah. face. <laughs> Look at this, <laughs> yeah. this Warner Brothers movie. I, I still don't know what it means to give the dog the invisible bone. That's why yeah. I started with that. I still don't get it, but it, it that sounds, sounds dirty. like bestiality. Yeah, I, well, kind of. Yeah. I found um, a karaoke version of it uh, last <laughs> night online. So, I'm going to learn it. Yeah, yeah, uh, John. I have also found that. So uh, we'll 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 get we'll get our pal Jason Blair in for some virtual karaoke. He's been itching for that for a while. Um, And so that song, it it makes me happy. I love the fact that they use it in the the final episode during like just a a massacre fight sequence, and then it kind of slows down after Hardcore falls. Um, So. We, that song is great. That song works. But of course, it's so iconic for the thing that we have to talk about before we wrap up in a few minutes. The title sequence to the show, it is there's a, there's a handful of shows that the skip intro option yeah. should never come up. One of them is X-Men, the animated series. Uh, you should never skip that. And also on this, you know, I, th- I think I, 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 I screenshotted it and I tweeted after one episode and I zoomed in on it. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, of course not. You know, I'm not going to. And the story of that is so amazing because the choreographer of that dance sequence, uh, you know, it, these, there were very strict uh, COVID protocols on this set and they, so they couldn't, you know, so she had to work it out. So she taught all the dance moves to her husband who came onto the set and taught it to all of the actors. And her husband <laughs> is Alan Tudyk. Uh, so so there, there is video, there are photos of him showing a lot of the moves. And here's why that works, the, the sequence works so well for me. Nobody's got a smile on their face. It, there's, the tongue is not in cheek. Everybody is giving it their all. Even Robert Patrick, who admitted that he's a terrible dancer. And he does James a weird was like wiggle yeah. move. Well, because I don't he, know what he's he doing. Does, as someone who was not good <laughs> in the in the 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 school musicals, I understand when choreography happens around you very yeah. well, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that was one of those. But and you know, Harcourt has like the really difficult like marionette moves, mm-hmm. and you know this one, and then the flying thing lyric is uh, you know there's so many little nuances. It's it's just so delightful. But John, I can see how you showed it to your wife out of context. She's like, "What are you fucking trying to make?" What the fuck is it? Yeah, yeah. And and originally, the the first episode when I watched it, 
uh, and again, when Peacemaker was first announced, and even right up until the time it dropped, I was not entirely sure I was going to watch it. Interesting. Uh, okay. I mean, because you know, Peacemaker he wasn't a great character, at least in the Suicide Squad. And, sure. You know, uh, <laughs> when that, <laughs> when those opening credits start, I, I'm sitting there. If you remember the movie Hot Fuzz, when Los yes. Angeles just sitting there watching them the play. <laughs> that was me. Like, what the yeah. fuck am I watching? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the really at the, the the very end is really what caught me because there's, there's two things that are there. The first thing is when Judo Master, if you if you look here very carefully, he pops out of a, a hole in the in the floor. Yeah. And creeps over to Peacemaker. What the hell is he gonna do? What does he do? He jumps up on his shoulder. <laughs> right? Yeah. The second thing is Eagly, which of course is everybody should be everybody's you know top two three characters in the show. <laughs> Agreed. He lands right. He's got his his wings spread right the, to end the number. Well, everybody is like you know breathing heavily from you know from from the uh, you know from the dance number. If you look closely, Eagly looks down, shovels his feet like he's mixed his mark or missed his mark, and then looks back up at the camera with his wing spread. Yeah, that yeah. just that did it for me. That was it. I'm in. I'm all in right there. And then and, and I love that they also hold on it for an extra like yep. five seconds and you're like, yes. Okay. And they just yeah. I, like that's what I mean. These little attentions to detail that James Gunn mm -hmm. I think is very good. It's so funny. Like I'm truly still like I'm not big up on the um I almost said Suicide Squad. Who's the Marvel group? The Gal second Guardians, Guardians movie. I, I, I memory I serves them that me. you liked the first Guardians when you saw it, but then it, 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 it sat in your head and you didn't like it as much. Yeah. But I know that you did not like the second one. Yes. But for me, you did like, you oh. did sit down in that movie in the middle of a fight with your now ex-wife. So that's true. That, I did that, that may I have intoxicated. I don't love that movie, but yeah. I also think that that might not have helped your enjoyment of it. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Um, but this was like, I think even the movie, the suicide squad, you know, you only get so much time. Like, with a show like this where he gets to write eight episodes, he really fully just gets to put all of himself in such yeah. a nuanced way into this that, like, uh, this is, like, my favorite James Gunn thing, I think. I, and and sometimes you feel like the way he talks about it, this might be James Gunn's favorite James I Gunn. I feel thing, it, yeah. You know? I mean, he's like, you because, mean I can take all these yeah. <laughs> obscure bands and music and, and put them in this show? And, and we'll yeah. we'll talk about the autonomy he had on our, our final couple minutes right, right after we figure out this part of it. But... Uh, yeah, just uh, from the chat, Cami Egan. Normally, I fast forward opening credits, but I said to watch it every week. I thought about it on, on weeks where, like, I was like on a little bit of a time crunch. I'm like, all right, this episode's 44 nope. minutes. I've got about 46. I'm like, nope, still watching it. So, Dominica Saxon, you tried to get. I thought your wife did watch it with you, uh, so uh, she got perturbed. Mm. And uh, great point from uh, Sam Whitfield. I want to see a black cast recreation of the dance. And uh, Dominica Saxon says Patreon it. Um, if, there's, if we do there's recreation. I want to be Robert Patrick. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's not enough of us. And that's what I was going to say. My final point about the opening number is there's characters that are only in a couple episodes. There's characters who don't show up till the middle of the season and they're all in there. And the, the guy who plays the janitor, yeah. he's, he's in two episodes and the opening sequence. And mm -hmm. he wanted to be in the opening sequence. So each time he came, the way that quarantine worked in Canada at this time, you had to go to a hotel for two weeks and then if you tested negative for COVID after the two weeks, then that's when you could go work. So he did that three separate times to be on the show for the two episodes he's in. And then a third time just to be in the opening sequence. That's how much he wanted to be. In. And look, 
I got two kids at home. If I could spend six weeks in a hotel room and not be allowed to go out, it's not, it's not my nightmare. I'm just going to say that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, wait, I can, I can bring as, as many, as many books and, you know, and music and all the streaming options of the world and just have to stay in a room. Yeah, I'm good. I can do that. They're going to bring food to me. Yeah, I can do that. So, yeah. And it's interesting because James Gunn said, like, if somebody said like, so I guess you have to redo the opening for season two. He's like, well, yeah, almost everyone's dead, <laughs> you know, like most of the characters in there. So, uh, you know, we could get a new song. We could get the same song with some new moves. I, I don't know. Uh, I, but uh, I just retweeted exciting. it. But James Gunn posted somebody had a visual graphic teaching the choreography for the song. So it. it oh, so it. you you just reposted it. OK, I retweeted well, it. Yeah. I'll look, so I'll we look can just stare that. at that and uh, figure it out. Oh yeah, I see. I, I I know I could do this in a more professional way, but I see that. Uh, yeah. So Will's has uh, s- sent us the the steps are right here, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you can find that on James Gunn's Twitter because he needs me to give shout outs for where you can follow him on Twitter. Um, yeah. So great show. Love the show, and the fact that they have so the, so we haven't really dropped a lot of spoilers. We talked about characters who died. If you like peacemaker and you've seen it but you haven't seen the finale you should we're gonna wrap up after this you just turn off the show we'll love you we'll see you next time okay um because there is a huge spoiler and shocked that that spoiler actually happens in the context of the show and for me personally more shocked at the reaction to it from certain little pockets of fandom to me it's amazing and again, I've told you that we're going to spoil something. So this, that was your last chance. It's amazing that we have Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller show up as the Suicide Squad. I mean, as the Justice League. Genuinely surprised that the yeah. it was ruined for me, but only that there were silhouettes. I still didn't know that they were actually. Oh, that's great! In it At least it wasn't lines. that. Yeah. So I still had that. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. and and there's uh, some question about he, James Gunn shot it with a Batman silhouette and a cyborg silhouette. And that was the one thing that DC told him. He, he said he's, he, he knows what the answer is, but he doesn't think he can say, he's like, I don't know what I can say, but I think it has to do with future projects. Mm. So for whatever reason, he couldn't have cyborg and, uh, and Batman there. But the fact that we still had, you know, wonder woman and, uh, and Superman, mm. and it's great for the actors who played the stand-ins because they were allowed to post like Instagram pictures yeah. of them. And the actress who was the wonder woman, she's like, I, you know, I, I had Gal Gadot's hair. I had her costume on. I'm like, that's all great that they yeah. had that kind of access. And James Gunn's like, yeah, I wrote it that way. And nobody complained. So I was like, all right, I guess we're going to film it. <laughs> and I think, you know, they, they weren't uh, shot, when they were in production, the the scene with uh, Ezra Miller's dialogue was filmed on the set of guardians three more recently. Oh, really? And they dropped it in. Yeah. Which, you know, look when, when, when Marvel can cooperate in some way uh, with DC, I don't know. It feels good that like, all right, you you could definitely be a dick there and have made it. It's like, no, James, you're going to have to go to a different soundstage on the other side of Atlanta or, you know, whatever. Between the two, two worlds and fandoms, James Gunn is the peacemaker. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. That's a that's a nice one. <laughs> and just the back and forth because there's so much shit talking from Pe- Peacemaker throughout the course of the series. You know, he's clearly intimidated by all the real superheroes and what's good about them, and uh, the idea that Aquaman fucks fish, and uh, just that back and forth like made people so upset. But it's like, 
clearly Aquaman and Barry are bros. That is the takeaway from either cut of Justice yeah. League. And just yeah. like, it's not a joke. And the fact that he says, fuck you, Barry. I'm like, I yeah. love him. I love him even more now. You know, Jason Momoa and- is the guy. And he's like, he's John Cena-esque in his humor. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And like, he's, of course, the guy. And that version of Aquaman is that like, he would totally like that joke. If you could make it rated R, like that would have been in. Well, I guess Justice League was rated R, but there would have been more of that, I think, if they let them, let him. Well, only the Snyder Club cut was rated R, right? Yeah, the, that's what the, I mean. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Whedon cut was not. And John would know because he saw it seven times. In the I don't consider that as an existing <laughs> version of the movie. But not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, what did you think, John, of that moment? You know, oh, uh, getting yeah. to see the Justice League shows up. And, you know, look, like we'll say, even if it had been the silhouettes, that's still like, OK, that's funny. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Um, I think that um, you know, like you said, there there's been some some controversy about it. Um, there was first of all the controversy that well, you know, Aquaman and you know he's such a great character, and they they've ruined it because they make the jokes about him fucking fish. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what Jeff Johns did like ten years ago. They incorporated that into the character that yeah. he rises above those jokes. He shows them that he yeah. really is a badass. You know, and and you know he's a, he's a great character, um, and and also the fact that if you look at back at Jack Snyder's uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Flash was still kind of intimidated by Aquaman. So yeah. now they have evolved to a point where where Flash can make a joke at Aquaman's expense, and everything's okay. That actually shows an evolution of the characters. That's great. I love it. I love every bit of it. Yeah, and uh, Jeff, as someone who has fucked fish uh, on a number of occasions, how did you feel? No, no, no. A manatee's not a fish. Get it straight. (laughs) I sit corrected. I sit corrected. You're right. Uh, No, I thought it was funny. I think, you know, if it had, even if it's just the silhouettes, it's funny. But if it was just the silhouettes, it's played. It's the ending of Shazam. The fact that we get the the dialogue scenes is really what puts it over the top. Mm -hmm. Makes it a really funny beat. Makes it really engaged with the rest of the universe, even though it literally was born out of a straight up DCEU-esque movie, right? Right? Yeah. So I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I like the Jason Momoa. You know, I was thinking about it when you guys were talking about it. He's basically like the surf bro Aquaman. And that's perfect that's exactly who he needs to be at this point like the guy who you just are kind of like oh yeah you hang out down by the beach a lot okay (laughs) that's fine yeah yeah uh and and will i really felt uh excited for you because when it comes to the character the flash i feel like there's nothing that you would like to say more (laughs) than fuck you barry because i do who is your who is your flash Wally West, come on. Yeah, so yeah. fuck you, Barry. <laughs> I mean, I do like Ezra Miller. It's okay. I think he's a fun turn for that character and makes yeah, it sure. more than traditional Barry Allen, who is very sleepy and boring, like the one on television. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I think Ezra's read of it is feels more like Wally West, and I think that's why I like it. That's how I would that's probably fair. do that character. But yeah, deep down, he gets a good fuck you, Barry. Yeah, when it, so it turned into like the, the idea. So like the the backlash was like, Oh, Batman says fuck in the Snyder cut. And that's a big deal, but this is okay. I'm like, this is a fucking joke. And it's like (laughs) that no one really, you know, this is not saying that Aquaman really fucks fish. It's saying literally the exact opposite of it. You know, that's why it's like, fuck you, Barry. And Barry doesn't think that, you know, it's just like people like, you know, and it's like, 
you need a little bit more fun in, you know, Zack Snyder for the, for what's great about his movies. They're not really that fun, you know? So uh, maybe putting a fun spin into it uh, helps. What were you going to say, Jeff? I like the idea of Batman beating the shit out of somebody and being like, you motherfucker. And then Alfred in his ears, just like, excuse me, sir. That would be one deposit in the swear jar. <laughs> right. It's like, it's Captain America in, uh, in age of Ultron, a yeah. language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that, uh, and look, I mean, you want to talk about poor usage of swearing. I mean, the way that people reacted to that trailer for Titans, fuck Batman, you know, <laughs> It was just like, now that is embarrassing. That this I was like, was, God, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, in the context of the show that actually, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Titans, as far as I'm concerned, is like the worst of the DC shows from, that came from the DC Universe app. Um, but I mean, within context, it, it, it makes sense. Um, yeah. People should be happy that Jason Momoa and James Gunn and everybody involved have such a good time doing these things with these characters that Jason Momoa said yes, went to wherever he needed to go, yeah. put the fucking costume on to yeah. let himself be made fun of for fucking fish to then tell Barry Allen to fuck off. Like yeah. the money and time that was involved just to make that gag work because those people have such a good time and care about these characters. Like, go grow up like people yeah, who and, are critical I mean, of that stuff i, I don't know shouldn't it be encouraging john that it's like because you're gonna get another aquaman movie we know the flash movie's coming right yep. so it's like yeah but the concept of these characters are still the justice league you know yeah. there will be another wonder woman movie so it's like you know justice league is still a thing you know the 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 movie as it was released theatrically there you know it didn't do what they wanted it to but it's like you should be excited that it's like no the justice league is real and just that throwaway line to amanda waller like send the justice league i, I didn't think like oh well, at the end we're gonna see the justice league you know yeah. or her i actually didn't even think yeah. we'd see uh we saw her like three times you know yeah. i was surprised that we saw her as much as we did like yeah. when we saw when she was like on the phone or the laptop in the first one i'm like all right mm -hmm. that's gonna be it but we saw yeah. her a couple of times <laughs> i thought that uh that was nice and dominic Saxon's comment made me laugh. Now I want to grudge fuck a stingray as payback for Steve Irwin. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know if we can go anywhere beyond that. I think that that puts a, a pin. But, you know, there is a lot more to say about Peacemaker. So yeah. if you want more Peacemaker conversation, I uh, when I had mentioned that I was doing this episode, a couple of uh, friends from After Buzz who also have been on Marvel Movie News with me really wanted to talk about it. So you can join us next week for episode 480 of the black cast where we will talk more about peacemaker and for people watching live right now uh in just about let's do the quick math three hours at uh, 2 30 pacific time 5 30 eastern you can join myself michael shirley and nate miller live we'll talk more peacemaker i've talked a lot of peacemaker over the last hour and 20 minutes so i'm gonna really let them gush about it but that's how excited people everybody's excited about this show this is the anti book of Boba Fett. It is more like Mandalorian where for the most part, everybody loved that show. I feel like the way, you know, I, I don't know people who watched this and were like, yeah, it wasn't for me. I think people just who looked at it and go like, I don't want to watch it. Those are the people who it's not for. And uh, well, it must be it to me. It's great to have, you know, there are the handful of things like Wonder Woman, the first one and only the first one, you know, that seems to be what people agree on in terms of recent DC content. You know, there's only, there's a handful of stuff where people are like, no, I really like that. And this is one of those. 
this is one of those, and I do think that the the response to Zack Snyder's Justice League was pretty overwhelmingly positive too. So. Yeah, for people who sat through the four hours, they were like, yeah. you know, and 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 look, more was better in yeah. that case. Turns I always out. use the example for the the first Star Trek film, Star Trek the motion picture is not great. But it's better if you see the director's cut with 12 extra minutes. There's things that just make more sense. And if it makes more sense, the story works better. And yep. that there's problems with that movie that uh, ooh, I could talk about. But it sometimes you put a little bit more back in and it it, uh, it, it just uh, it just makes sense. So it was like Batman versus Superman, the extended cut of that same thing. It's 30 yeah. minutes. And I, people were like, why does it need to be three hours? And now every fucking superhero movie is three goddamn hours. Well, so speaking, it, speaking of which, in a couple of episodes, uh, yeah. Will and I and uh, Jeff will join us and we'll uh, react to uh, the Batman two hour, 56 minute running time. And, uh, you know, John, obviously, uh, you're welcome to join us uh, for that as well uh, to have you back soon. Uh, when do you have tickets for John? Because I, I, I feel like I know the answer to this. <laughs> actually, believe it or not. I, I don't have tickets for it yet. Um, the Say reason why I'm actually starting a new job next week. So I'm not oh. sure exactly what my schedule is going to be. So I got to kind of figure that out first. Yeah. Oh, so no. So uh, day drinking is going to be cut back with the new job is what you're saying. No, right? <laughs> it's at a brewery. Uh, yeah. Well, Will and I are going uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. So look for us. Right. I'll, I'll make sure to spoil theater. it for you. Suckers. Yeah. Look at every movie theater in Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, well, thank you uh, to everybody. And thanks for a great chat. Uh, John, if people want to find your show where I know you did talk about Peacemaker, you usually talk about politics, uh, but uh, where can people find you? Uh, RagingRhinoPodcast.com. And of course on Twitter, RagingRhinoPod. And, and yeah. yeah. And of course, uh, Will Sterling. Uh, co-host of History Rated R and your your co-host yes. uh, Craig Smith joined me on Biden time what was yesterday uh, mm -hmm. as we talked about Ukraine and you can find that on the Blackcast YouTube channel uh, was a I, that was definitely one of those times where it's like I was at the hour mark and I'm like oh I got like two more hours of stuff but I'm yeah. not going to keep anybody yeah. <laughs> you know and Craig's uh, got uh, 24 hours more shit that he could probably talk about too, yeah so. and like the unfortunately the ukraine situation is uh going to be one that we'll be able to talk about uh for a while uh, anything else you'd like to promote william uh no check out history rated r the podcast and at will sterling underscore and uh jeff duray don't look for him on social media he'll look for you but he i mean he won't but he would if if he wanted to <laughs> uh well thank you everybody and as i mentioned next episode a uh, little bit more on the justice league with michael shirley and nate miller but that's all for this time we'll see you next time on the black cast
point is, listen to this show. Don't need me to tell you it's dope. Rock so hard like Johnny Lisco. Listen in the black cast. Oh yeah, that's the black cast. It's on the ghost twin TV or whatever. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's on AfterBuzz TV. That's right. That's that guy, Christian. You rock! Alright, several Texas had to go take care of some business. But I'm here to say, have a nice day. And listen to the damn show.